today's guest on the podcast is Leah Kabuya. She is a daughter to my good friend Latrice, who you may have heard a few dozen episodes back now. But Leah is 16, and she is Black and lives in Kansas City, Missouri. And we thought it would be awesome to have her come on and talk about her experience. But even greater than that, this girl has goals. <laughs> I mean, she has goals for how to combat systemic racism in our school system. And you won't believe how simple it could possibly be and why we're not doing it. I don't know. And it never occurred to me. Um, I'm so inspired by her. I'm so inspired by her voice, her determination, and just just everything that she had the courage to say. So very, very proud to know you, my dear Leah. And of course, I love your mom. And so for listeners of this podcast, I would like to make a special request. If you are moved by Leah's story, please consider making a donation to any HBCU in your area nearest to you. So what is an HBCU? That stands for Historical Black College or University. And you may say, well, why? Why would I do that? Leah tells us in this episode. So have a listen. And even more so, if you're a parent, if you're a parent of a young, young kid, um, I would say anywhere from zero to, well, I mean, we're all people. <laughs> and this, this episode really is applicable to all of us. But especially if you have school age kids, I think this is a, this is a very valuable episode, especially for people of European descent, white folks like myself things we need to hear and be aware of. I was very moved by it, and I hope you will be too. So thank you all for listening. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and enjoy this episode with Leah Kabuya. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Are you looking for some coaching, some life coaching in a very inexpensive and self-paced module? Of course you are. Check out the Handel Group's Inner You. It's a self-paced online coaching program. In this program, you are going to learn to deal with the areas of your life that are causing you the most suffering. We're doing great and like a lot of it, right? We've, there are areas of our life that we've got down, but there are these bleeder areas that just keep coming up over and over and year after year. And that's what Inner You is here to help you figure out. So check it out, Inner You, the letter U, I-N-N-E-R-U dot coach. Scroll down to the bottom, click on Inner You Life and use the code SAME24 hours seven five. And right now you will get it for half off. In the future, you'll get $75 off. So this is a big deal. It's one, one time for life, one payment, and you're in for life. So enteru.coach by the Handel Group. Follow the Handel Group 
and check out everything that they do, putting out such great content. These are my coaches. I believe in them. And you're going to see much more from all of us in the future. Okay, friends, this is my, so this girl's mama, Latrice, is my new friend. And we were talking, she was on my podcast and Instagram live um, a few months ago. And she said, you've got to have my daughter on. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And so this is Leia, Leia Kaluuya. And she's, if you are anything like your mom, we're going to have a good time. Anything, Uh, you've got to, because you've got to have her her genetic code. (laughs) So how old are you? I'm 16. 16. Okay. And how's life? How is life at 16? I don't ever feel too far removed. It's definitely not what I expected um, with 2020 and everything. It, <laughs> right. Well, it's a lot of learning. I can see that. I've learned a lot in this year. So. A lot of lessons already <laughs> at 16. Right. And and the biggest lesson is um, what? Patience and getting your way has a whole new meaning and it's oh, not yeah. fair. No longer applies. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot of responsibility. Um and I've just learned a lot about myself and being in quarantine. That's all you really can do. So Right. Right. So I had a hater one time on, um, uh, I don't remember where the comment was, but I was taking a picture of myself doing yoga in a sports bra. And it said something like Meredith Atwood does so much navel gazing. And now she's making us look at her navel too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I like quarantine. Well, that was horrible. I mean, but quarantine is a lot of nasal navel gazing, right? We're yeah. like, who am I? What do I want? But that's especially big for a 16 year old. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. I mean, how much introspection can you do, right? <laughs> it's a lot. So. Well, one thing I loved about your, I don't know where I saw it, but your, I knew his Facebook profile says future civil rights attorney. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is a girl I definitely want to talk to. I mean, you are so certain and, and so driven and that's, that's a wonderful. So let's start a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and um, then we'll just kind of dive into our conversation. Okay, well, I'm Leia Kabuya. I'm 16. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, born and raised. And I will be a future surprise attorney. You may see me as president. We don't know yet. But um, I love yeah, it. That's what I do with my life. And I'm very passionate about racism, discrimination, and just fighting that. Very good. So I would normally discourage everyone from being a lawyer, but I think civil rights attorney is a great idea. <laughs> Um, so that and and maybe like animal law. Okay. Um, but that's good. That's awesome. You know what you want to do. Um, and you know what? I, I joke all the time. But I take my legal education for granted. And I was telling your mom on her podcast, like, you don't, you don't need to just toss that away. And so, you know, I've sent a couple of emails, like, tentatively putting my toes back in the water to do some volunteer work. I'm like, I will help where I can. Cause, but you know, when you really have a purpose behind what you want to do, it makes it much easier. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about racism and discrimination in the younger generation. Cause we old people think <laughs> that the next generation doesn't, you know, that it's colorblind and we know what that term does now. Um, but you know, we think that, oh, this isn't going to be a big deal for our kids or it's not, 
you know, there's no real systemic racism in the younger generation. So what do you think about that? I think that's wrong. I think it's a lie because it may not look as, as it did in you guys' generation, how you guys were growing up, but we still have it because it's in the system and we're growing up in this world in America. So it's built in there. So we still go through it. We're still like me. I'm very limited on what I learned in school about black people. Cause like, all I know is, oh, we're slaves. Um, and then we have Martin Luther King who just like the hero and just saved all of us. That's all I learned in school. So really, so <laughs> see, I thought that was just in our textbooks, but your textbooks are equally as bare. So hmm. I've had to do my own learning about my history because what I'm learning in school, it just shows me, I would say the negative part. Interesting. And what's the demographic of your school? Is it mostly white or? Yes. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's mostly white. I mean, I have maybe every other class I have, maybe another black girl or boy, but now it's, it's mostly white. Okay. And how does, I mean, tell me that experience. Wow. Um, black History Month is terrible for me because like, <laughs> like, um, are going to do something like, what are you going to tell us? Like, I'm some like animal, I'm like exotic or something. Or when we talk about slavery, everybody's looking at me like, I'm so sorry, like trying to feel oh, sympathetic. Wow. I'm like, um, I'm learning about this same as you guys. Like, wow. Yes, wow. it was my ancestors, but like, why are you looking at me like that? So it's just, it feels weird sometimes when we talk about certain things or like when we read um, To Kill a Mockingbird and they have certain words in there, people just kind of like get uneasy with me. But I'm like, I mean, it's in the past, as long as you're not operating in it now, like you don't have to feel uneasy. Wow. So how old were you when you first became aware of race? And, th- and I talked with your mom about this a lot, how people of my skin tone, people of European descent, we have the privilege of not thinking about it. That it's just not a part of our life. We go through life without thinking about it. But for Black people, it is like every every day. It's it's yeah. you know in your line of sight. And what age do you remember recognizing uh, it? I think I was maybe nine or ten, and we were in a Walmart, and I was with my mom, and my little sisters, and we were just going to go shop for Barbies, and. We were trying to find black Barbies, which is very hard. And so, like, we had gone to different Walmarts because my mom wanted us to see people, to play with people who look like us. And so, we had this undercover cop following us around. And that scared me because I was in elementary. Like, I didn't know, like, that this was a thing. And we weren't doing anything. Like, I was holding my sister's hands. We were just literally looking. We were dressed nice. So, it wasn't even, like, we look if you can look like you're going to steal something but right. um i was around and my mom approached him because she was like i have my kids like what are you doing and he was a man and so that was weird for us and i think i cried that night so i was like oh like this is real wow yeah i was listening to a book and it talked about that how most white people have never experienced that a day in their life being followed and how it's commonplace. Like you go yeah. shopping, you're just in a store and you're being followed by a clerk. Yeah. So yeah. that was yeah. traumatic for me. I would say. So 
let's talk about the education system. Aside from it being awkward with peers sometimes during Black History Month and, and them thinking you need to tell them all about Black History because Black yeah, history your personal experience. Um, how has treatment in the educational system been different to you? Or has it? I would say it is different because people expect me and even my teachers expect me to act a certain way, what they think is the Black stereotype. So when I come in, you know, poised, using big words, um, when I have straight A's, when I'm on the honor roll, when I'm in student council, when I'm president of my class, they're like, wow, like, you're Black and you can do this? Like, aren't you supposed to be, like, struggling? Like, so I, I can tell that they think that way, but they don't want to, like, show it because they can't because they're teachers. Um, so that's been a big thing. Um, when I say I want to go to an HBCU, they're like, most of my teachers don't even know what that is. So that's been definitely tough having to like explain it when they're supposed to be helping me with colleges. Um, another thing is probably just the students, I would say, because they think I'm supposed to act a certain way. So they treat me a certain way. And they think I'm supposed to be ghetto or talk very loud, not really into my studies and stuff. Hmm. I think that has been the biggest thing because I always get told, you're, you're not a regular black girl. Like, you're so different. I'm like, wow. What's a black girl to you? Like, what That's so that? funny, though, because talking to your mama, she told me very similar stories. And it's like, so my generation are parenting your generation, right? Very. So her experience came from those people's parents which i mean it's like i really would think it would be better but they're being parented by the same people that were friends with your mom or her you know and and it's like the same story i mean maybe slightly less offensive depending on how you (laughs) take it but wow see that's that's surprising to me but you know it of course it is because i'm over here and you know who I am, right? Like it just head in the sand and you think it, the world um, is fine. And, and that's the and definition that's- of privilege, right? It's, it's, it's privilege because it doesn't impact you and you don't care about it because it doesn't impact you and you think it doesn't mm-hmm. exist, right? Wow. Okay. So, and I, I want to respect the fact that you still have to go to school <laughs> <laughs> and um, that you're 16 and you don't want to dive too much into personal experiences maybe, but what are the ways that you, I know I'm going to prep you for your future civil rights job. Um, what are the ways that systemic racism is, is still showing up in your generation? And, and maybe if you can, if you feel comfortable with explaining what systemic racism is for anyone that, that still has their head in the sand, um, what, what does that mean exactly? So to me, I kind of broke it down and systemic racism is basically a system built against a minority group and they act a certain way i looked it up they said it was a normal practice mm-hmm. and so um that's that's how i would explain it just a system built against a minority and in this case i would say it's people of color right but and so a system could be like a, a law a yeah. regulation and it could directly impact um people of color indirectly and in yeah, some yeah. way it's causing inequality like there's less opportunity there's less um funds that go to us you know based on that's what systemic means right so like 
the world versus one-on-one, like not me and you, but the laws in our city or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But in our generation, I would say that I feel like it's the words that people use and the stereotypes. I think the stereotype is the biggest thing that the system has produced Um, because we're growing up more mixed. Like we're not segregated. We didn't have to go through that. So Gen Z, we're growing up together, but we still are separated by what we think each other's lives are. Mm. And so by like, when we talk about the Jews and the ghettos, I asked one of my class say, I thought that was just a black people thing. And so I was like, wow. Do you like, know that the white people made the ghettos? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's not in your history book. You didn't know. No, it's not in the history no. book. Right. So, it's just things like that. So, um, or there's like jokes like, oh, your dad never came back from getting the milk. So it's, it's not like as, I would say, what people think is as big, like, um, the separation and everything, but it's just the stereotype that we still have around that's still in our minds and that's going to get passed down if we don't change it. So from where you sit as a 16-year-old in Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> what can we do? What do you see? Like, you're going to go be a civil rights attorney. What is your first case? What is your first cause of action that goes all the way up to the Supreme Court? Like, what... That's a big question. I'm not going to ask you that one. Oh, what yeah. is the first thing that you really want to do? What, or what do you want to encourage us to do? You know, I mean, that's a ways down the road. So that's like 10 years. So let's start with right now. What's an immediate plan that you can see from where you sit as a 16 year old? And then let's talk 10 year plan. <laughs> so right now. So right now, um, I want to really just change the way we're being taught Mm. because I think if we can educate people that that can change a lot of minds and a lot of things that are getting passed down. Yeah. Because education is the biggest thing. So I feel like we could change our history books if we can change the bias thinking and if we can get the parents to teach the kids that maybe they don't change it in schools. But I've learned my history from my parents. So you can get the parents to teach that. I think that can help a lot and not have it passed down to generations. So that's my biggest thing. And um, I want right to correct what I said earlier. I don't mean that you need to do it. <laughs> I mean, right. like, what can you see? Because that's not, you know, I one of the <laughs> major things in the work that I'm trying to emphasize with the people that have my complexion is this is not work for our Black brothers and sisters to do. That's It's up for up to us to do the changing the work, the standing up and trying to help move this forward. So if I came across like, what are you going to do, Leah? I meant like, okay. what do you see that we can do? So if I did that, sometimes I just, yeah. my brain, your mom's probably right. laughing at me. Where is she? <laughs> I know she's around. <laughs> I knew she was. Uh, I can see her going, listen, listen. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you this: she got some plans. She's being a little modest, but okay. Listen. Well, that's what I want to hear. I mean, maybe maybe her plans are top secret, so I don't know. <laughs> um, well, okay, so my plans. Um, I'm really big on HBCUs, which is historic 
black um, community, I mean, colleges or universities, and I'll be going to Howard University. And so, um, like, I want to have a HBCU fair, college fair, because we have the college fairs. We call them college fairs, but I've only seen, I've been to multiple, but only at one college fair, I've seen one HBCU. And so I want to have just an HBCU posture so we can educate them like, hey, there are colleges that were built for you that you can go to. They're not less than PWIs. I wouldn't say they're better. I feel like they're equal, but people always think that Black is worse. So I want to, that's something I am working on within my own school district. Um, I'm also, I want to get African-American studies to be a required um, class to graduate because I feel like that's important because we well, need to know they're not teaching it. If they're not teaching it, I I think that's fair. Yeah, at least a semester, right? At least exactly. a semester. Run <laughs> history, American history, but you leave out half of the American history. So I, I do want that as a required thing. So those are just two things I'm working on. Um, I was working on an app to include black businesses and mentorship and everything. And so it's just, it's just a little project that I'm doing. Yeah, what? Okay. I see your mama now. She's like, this child has <laughs> things. Yeah. Now, now the truth comes out. Okay. So let's rewind to, um, HBCUs. Um, tell me, and this is very white of me. So forgive me. But why, um, or, and I don't mean it to sound, why, historical black college. Why? Why do you want to go to an all-black college? Why? And this is my favorite quote of all time, and it's because I have the rest of my life to be a minority, so why not go to an HBCU to be a majority? Oh, that that's that <laughs> sort of gave me chills. Yeah. That sort of gave me, and I listened to Ibram I listened to Ibram Kendry's book, so I know why. I mean, I was just, just you know, just, um, but yeah. I mean, think about that white people watching just for a moment. So that's like the greatest for, well, see, that's when you go to the six year plan. I know you're really um, driven, but you should probably dry, you know, drag out your college experience Yes, but I mean, really, for those of you watching, think about what that means. Like that to, to go to college in a place where y- you're in the majority. Like we all were. We got to do dumb stuff, and the, with other people looking just like us, right? And so it it's an identity forming, right? And and pa- empowering, and um. So yeah, okay, I love it. I love it. I love your mom in the background. <laughs> oh Listen, Latrice, I hear you. <laughs> okay, I got it. Is oh, she me. coming back? My sister's trying to pull her away. We're okay. trying. <laughs> this is my hey. This is my podcast. We do what we want. It's fun. Exactly. It's fun. Okay, so those are your immediate goals. For education, and I think that's beautiful, Leah. I think that you are absolutely hit the nail on the head, right? And if we can't put it in the education system, then how are the parents of the children going to take individual responsibility for educating? Like, if there could be online modules, right? I mean, every school could have opportunities for the parents because, unfortunately, this education has not been done. 
it's not going to get done unless we put it out there, right? As part of the education system, like we got to create information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> send to the parents to educate their kids before. I mean, I, I guess it before the, the education system catches up. So how are you going to go about that? Are you, are you making petitions? Are you creating curriculum? What are we doing and how can we help? <laughs> well, with Rona taking over, it's kind of hard, um, <laughs> but we, we're getting through it. So um, I do want to, I know my superintendent and I have a relationship with her because I've met with her on different um, topics. So I do want to have a meeting with her about this and just race relations in general within our district. And so I will be talking to her. I will be talking to my principal because I kind of, I go to two high schools. And so one that has my classes. So I know we do things differently within our high school. So I will be talking to him. So it's really just having those meetings, educating them about what opportunities are out there so we can educate the students too. So yes, that will be coming. <laughs> well, and, and you just gave me an idea to, to do the same here. I mean, that's such an opportunity for everyone to do in their own school system and say, what is the push? Because do you know of any school systems that are doing it right? Uh-uh. None. Because we, so, I mean, we got to make it, right? Got to make it. So that's such a great point. Um, talk to your superintendent. Ask the question. What is, where's the education on Black I'm history? Not where? Not wow. You're a smart girl. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Um, I'm kind of blown away with you. Okay. Um, Next question. What drives you personally, besides that mama you got, um, <laughs> to be the best version of yourself? Um, my biggest thing is my sisters. I want to be, particularly my younger sisters, because I want to be that role model that I needed to them and to the younger generation. So I want them to look up and say, wow, like she did it. She didn't have, she went through all this, but she still made it. So that's why I'm so big. Like, that's why I know my plan. I'm sticking to I'm not going to let anything get in my way. So close your eyes 10 years from now. Where are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you 26. Oh, you're finished with law school. You're one, two. Well, if you stretched out that undergrad to four years, you might just be getting out of law school um, or five years. So what do you see for yourself? And I, and I know this is powerful because what we believe is possible is what we become. And I know you have incredible vision. So what do you see for yourself? Okay. Um, 10 years. I see myself still in Washington, DC. Um, and I see myself in the courtroom making change, making historical change. And I could also, another path to be, um, I see myself in politics and being the first black woman to do this or do something just, I want to make that change. That's my biggest thing is make that historic change. So we can't put that in the history books. So um, that's why I see myself. I see myself partnering with Brian Stevenson. I, w- yeah. I really want to do that. <laughs> so he's the one I sent the email to, Leah. He's the one yeah. I sent the email to volunteer my time. I know. Yes, oh, yes love him. So uh, I do want to partner with him. And yeah, that's my biggest thing. Okay, so let's, what does the world look like to you then? Like, let's push it out 15 years. You're go, you're almost 30, and I know that feels old to you. It's not. <laughs> it's 
super young. (laughs) But what do you want to see in the world? What is the world? You know, if you're 30, if you want kids or don't want kids, whatever. But what does it look like for the next generation? What do you hope? And what do you demand of us to make that change possible? Um, I see the next generation more welcoming and inviting to all races and to all people. Um, I see us coming together. I see us all celebrating Juneteenth. I see Massachusetts my- just made it a holiday. Yes. I, I wanted it real hot, just like we celebrate July 4th. Um, I see us all celebrating that, doing the big cookouts and fireworks and everything. And then a couple of weeks later, doing the same thing. Um, <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I see my children coming home, wearing their natural hair, wearing their dashi t-shirts and not being afraid of what the what their peers or friends said. Um, I see us having another Black president and a woman Black president at that. Um, and I just see, I see more Black people taking well, the lead. You gotta be 35 to be president, Leah. So yeah. I said you were 30, so you, I noticed you <laughs> were a president. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. We'll see down the road. Why not? Um, because I don't, it, it's, to me, it's sad that I have to be the first. And you want to be the second? I'll be the second. I'll, I'll take okay. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I see I just see lots of change. I see black people in leadership positions. I see our schools more diverse. I see um, HBCUs coming back on top, and not just PWIs and HBCUs. I see them being equal. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much. It. Oh, I think that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else you want to say? Like anything on your heart and. I just, I just adore you. I knew I would, but um, <laughs> anything else you you just want my audience to know? I mean, you're such a young voice and, and I'm so proud to know you. And, um, you know, my kids aren't, they're a little bit younger than you. My son will turn 13 and, you know, things that I should tell my children that I'm missing the boat on, like white people out there listening to you, adults. With kids your age, what are we missing? What do we need to be telling our ch- our children? Where did it, where did it get missed? Come on, tell me. Uh, <laughs> what am I, I said this on my mom's podcast, but racist wounds every black person has them, mm. whether they're two, whether they're ninety five. We all have racist wounds because this is the world that we're growing up in. So you need to be mindful of that with what you say with the jokes you make, with the things you let slide, you just have to remember that every Black person has racist wounds and things affect them differently because of the traumatic experiences they've been through. Mm. That's a really good one. That's a really good thing to remember. Thank you, my dear. I'm so grateful for you. And I love your whole family. I've talked to three of you now. So who else do I need to talk to in the Kabuya family? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining. And everyone, this is Leah Kabuya. And you can go follow her. I'll post her Instagram. But she's going to be doing great things in this world. Thank you. We're also fortune tellers over here. (laughs) Thanks to come. Thanks to come. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.